I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Frost. Now, last week I had a huge scare. There was a massive fire which took over 40 acres and resulted in over 20 horses being evacuated. Now, I don't know what to do if there's a fire, but we need to be prepared. So today I'm joined by Jim Green. He's the founder of Barter, and he's the animal tactical advisor for Hampshire Fire and Rescue. Jim's going to give us some advice on how we prepare for a major event like a fire and what actions we should take when a fire happens. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. Today we're joined by a lovely guest who, he's a hero and he won't like being called a hero, not because of his full-time job, which is a firefighter, but because he saves our beloved horses. He rescues them. We're joined by Jim Green. He is founder of the British Animal Rescue and Trauma Care Association and he's an animal rescue tactical advisor at Hampshire Fire and Rescue. Jim, how are you? Very well, thanks Amy. Nice to see you again. And you, well, I could just introduce you with, you know, award-winning, has met the Princess Royal, has spoken at the National Equine Forum. You've done all these amazing things, including last year we had a chat. And actually, if you if you listen to the podcast regularly, you can go back and listen to Jim's original interview, where we talked, Jim, about your time in California, helping save animals and people from the California fires. So you must feel awful being at home right now and hearing all these fires that are going on again don't you just want to jump on a plane and go out and help them yeah there's a big scale big task amy there's a lot going on at the moment a lot of my friends are committed to firefighting and animal evacuation and sheltering as well uh, because um, there's so much displacement from the the sheer scale of these fires that um, animals need to be cared for at the shelters whether they're large or small well it's really scary normally we see horrific fires like this in California and we're just praying for everybody we raise money for them you know there's lots of fundraising going on to try and help them very rarely and we're very lucky very rarely do we suffer with these fires these massive heath fires at home in the UK and last week in particular we struggled we had some horrific fires because of the the heat wave were you involved in going and helping out with these fires 
We haven't had um, many animal issues, to be fair, with the fires, which is a good thing. They obviously would have affected a lot of wildlife. And many of these fires are occurring in sites of special scientific interest. So obviously, from a, an ecological perspective, they've been very devastating. Um, but fortunately, we haven't um, seen the sort of issues that they're dealing with uh, in California, where um, lots of horses are trapped or require evacuation uh, from the from the fire situation itself. Are these wild horses that need evacuating or are they owned by people? Yeah, no, these are owned um, by people. And, um, you know, around 50% of the population, both here and in the United States, have pets. And many people in California have livestock and horses. And so, you know, it has a, a huge bearing on the operational side of, uh, of the incident. And that's really, you know, why BARTA was set up. It's about uh, helping firefighters and other emergency responders to uh, deal with the, the management of incidents where animals are involved, but also around education of the public so that they're better prepared uh, in, in case these things do happen. Of course, yes, we, we know that fires happen regularly in California, but you'll be amazed at how many people just aren't prepared and haven't taken the steps necessary to evacuate their animals ahead of the fire. And, uh, and therefore, that places our emergency responders in, in quite a lot of risk. And that's exactly why I asked you to come onto the podcast today to educate us, because what shocked me last week is we had a huge fire very, very close to where I live. And I'm paranoid about fires anyway. You know, I don't like people smoking. I don't like them smoking on the yard. I don't want them in the field. I don't want them anywhere near our horses because of all the hay. I have fire extinguishers everywhere. Um, I know that, that you do a lot of education going to yards and basically helping them prepare. You know, we can hire you for the day, can't we, Jim, to come down and say, right, have a look at the yard and see how we can make it a little bit safer. I think what shocked me the most last week was that... We didn't know the fire was going to happen. It was very, very close. And when you say in California, you know, they don't evacuate the horses early enough. Over here last week, we didn't have time to evacuate the horses. So, and I say we because a friend of mine um, had a yard very close to the huge Heath fire that took, I think it was 24 hours before it was actually um, put out in the end. And she had this moment of, she had over 40 horses there. Mm. Uh, she's a riding school and she said at what point does she evacuate and she ended up evacuating 20 horses so that was dramatic enough and luckily the local community were amazing because they all got together and said you know you, you can have our field you can pop the horse in there for a while but it made me think how do we prepare for something like that something that we don't have a chance to evacuate our horses suddenly there's a fire what do we do should we all have an action plan yeah definitely uh a fire management plan is really, really important. And um, the reason that we're seeing the number of fires in the, in the wildlife, wildland areas around here at the moment is really down to the fuel moisture content. And um, we're surrounded by fuel. Everything will, most things will burn. And of course, as we've had these dry conditions, the moisture uh, is really deficient. And so things will burn much sooner than they might do otherwise and much quicker. And so that's why we're seeing these huge fires uh, that, that uh, are taking over the, the heathland particularly. But really, in agricultural situations, we're surrounded by fuel that is highly flammable all year round. You know, as you said, we've got hay, straw, um, our buildings are timber and really people in agricultural establishments are vulnerable from fire all year round. 
Mm. And that may not be a fire encroaching from the outside, but most of these fires actually start from within. And unless we have a plan, they will be very, very devastating. You know, historically, people in agriculture weren't affected by uh, the legal framework that uh, our fire safety law uh, fits within. And since 2005, every business is responsible for their own fire risk management. And that uh, includes agriculture and equines and establishments. And so it's really important that um, people do take fire safety seriously they do take time to research what's needed and they do undertake a fire risk assessment because that will open up to them all of the issues that are very common throughout the world in terms of agriculture and fire risk okay so that's if we're a if we're a livery yard owner then we'll go through some tips in a moment of um, of the minimal things that should be in place both to prepare and then the actions if a fire was to happen but let's start with, if you just own a horse and you're on a livery yard, because a listener of ours, Vicky, bless her, she keeps her, she's a groom as well, she keeps her horse on a farm, and the farm had 40 acres go up in flames at the beginning of last week. And for her, it's so scary, because she doesn't have the, the fire assessment beforehand, she doesn't own the livery yard, she just keeps her horse there. And straight away, as an individual horse owner, keeping your horse on grass livery on another yard, what sort of precautions can we take and what actions should we have if there's a fire? Well, I think, first of all, you need to question uh, the people that are running the establishment and uh, respond when you start talking about fire risk assessments and fire plans. And, you know, I, I always talk about this in, in regard to children. So if you were going to leave your child with a childminder, you would do a lot of research before you left them there. And you would want to make sure that that childminder had uh, the right certification, the right first aid training, had plans in place. The staff that they employed were also up to a certain standard and what I see is that um, people often um, when they're leaving their horses in livery yards you know have a different set of priorities and uh, and they're mainly thinking about what's practical for them and whether that livery is close to home what you know obviously the the charges will, will have a factor in uh, in whether they choose that yard but I think um, we should really be questioning people and saying you know if I'm at work if I'm away you know and a fire starts on that yard what is going to happen and how are you going to look after my horse and that's fair enough at any business place you know if you go to your local hairdressers or your local restaurant you have signs on the wall saying evacuation here's the exit um you all need to go meet in the car park for instance and i think whether it's a, a huge livery yard a competition livery yard or whether it's your local stables with you know a couple of boxes you should absolutely have an evacuation process which brings me to I was you know I've been thinking about this for nights Jim I hardly slept the other night saying <laughs> what would I do if there was a before all the rain came and then I was singing in the rain going thank goodness so mm. I feel a, yeah. a little bit slightly safer for a small amount of time um but I was lying in bed thinking what would I do my horse is really bad at loading like really bad. So he can have one day he could be amazing and we can load in 20 minutes and another day he'll say no I don't want to and he'll be afraid. The more I the more afraid I am, the less chance he's going to load. So I can imagine in a huge fire I'm going to be I'm either going to be really petrified in which case he won't want to get in or I'm going to be I don't like I I don't care in you get, you know, whatever it takes get in the box. Um, but I guess loading is actually really important when it comes to dealing with a fire. Yeah, and I think uh, it's important that all the horses on a yard um, will load. And that, that's really critical because wasting time on one horse 
been you know waste valuable minutes uh, or even mean that that horse is is taken back and others are then loaded and taken away but the reality of it is if a fire starts and we're in that situation you know that is a bad place to be you know that the fire will spread very very quickly uh, the risks that people may may take to rescue horses uh, may be too great really and, and many people have been injured trying to rescue horses you know, the, even these, uh, the idea of firefighters going into barns and, and rescuing animals with breathing apparatus, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's not really realistic in, in a real situation because they are so uh, challenging to deal with. Fighting the fire alone is, is difficult enough. So it's really important that um, we've thought about this and that we've thought about how a fire may start and we've reduced the chances of a fire starting in the first place and then if a fire does start then we've got a, an evacuation plan you know even things like having head collars immediately available having pre-thought out refuge areas uh, and one of the first things you need to think about is is what's the prevailing wind because if you had a fire and your um, chosen place of refuge was actually downwind of the fire then that would be very difficult to put the horses down there. They would be obscured by smoke. Burning embers go up in the smoke plume and, and fall down. And, uh, you know, that, that really is not acceptable. So the, the place that you've chosen may not be available on the day. So it's really important that you think about it and also think about compatibility of the horses, particularly for a livery yard. You know, it's not necessarily the case that everything's going to be quite happy to be put in the same field together, is it? Mm, and uh, so if there are some horses that are really not compatible then you might have to have a separate plan for those, which may mean getting them off the site. There's actually quite a lot to think about, a lot to think through. A lot of these things are, are practical and common sense, but you do need to practice, and, and not just practicing during the day, but also thinking about what would happen at night, because often these fires do occur uh, at night, and, um, and that changes the game totally. Oh my goodness, at night, I'd, I'd hate to even think, it, I'd just be horrified because you can't see what you're doing, the flashing light scares the horses, um, which again, I, I guess, you know, fingers crossed, you hope you never get a fire in the middle of the night and then I guess you have to deal with it. But if the fire's in the day, I'm presuming you go through your evacuation process before the night is even close to falling. Well, we take each situation on merit and um, in Hampshire, every agricultural fire, every, every fire involving animals will attract the attendance of a tactical advisor such as myself. Um, and we would work with the yard owner and we would think about what the, uh, what the conditions are like at the time, um, whether the conditions are going to deteriorate, whether we need to have some forward planning and move animals off the site, um, other things that will be factors as whether the site is actually able to continue to operate you know, depending on the scale of the damage. So there are so many factors to consider, but generally you'd want to move horses away from the immediate place of danger. And, uh, and if you can leave animals in place because they're compartmentalized, they're segregated from, uh, from the fire, then you know, that's the best thing to do. If we can avoid moving animals, then we will do, um, because it does add inherent risks um, both to the animal and to the people that are, are trying to move them. Facebook's amazing for, um, you know, for, for showing what you're doing with your horses and life, but it's also a really quick rumour mill. <laughs> when it came to the fire, I couldn't believe how many people were offering support. And I thought it was amazing. You know, the livery yard owner was overwhelmed with so many people saying, I can take a couple of horses, I can have geldings, I can have mares, you know, hands up all over the place. 
But it did make me think I've, I might have a little extension for barter <laughs> because it wouldn't it be great if there was an emergency service website or, or some sort of group where all the local livery yards no matter because they're in competition half of them don't speak to each other um, but wouldn't it be great if they had a serious risk they could go on they could get the number and each yard said no matter what situation if there's a fire or you need an evacuation we will take horses if we've got the land available and and you've got that straight away numbers to ring um, for people that would have land in, a, in, a, in an emergency situation like a flood a storm or a fire and mm. When I thought about my evacuation process, you know, my little my little five-acre field with my two horses, where would I go? I haven't got any extra mm. land. I've got no idea where I'd put the horses. Yeah, and I think um, it's really important that you do that planning work before the event happens. One of the dangers and one of the things that happens in, in America is that because the incidents are of such a scale, lots of people want to help. And that actually can be quite a hindrance to the emergency services. So if you've got people turning up with horse boxes um, offering to, to support and they don't know how to reverse a horse box, mm. suddenly you've got major issues. And so we also need to work to the whole kind of command structure. You know, the, the fire officer in charge of that incident has responsibility for everyone's safety. And so if you've got people arriving that... Um, he doesn't trust or he doesn't know uh, that can cause major issues to him so uh, I would say that it's really important that you make contact with people that will support you and help you before the event and then you write down their emergency contact details on your action plan and then in the event of an incident you can call on those people to come and help you trusted people uh, who you know their capabilities it's wise to have had them come and look at your uh, your land and to see exactly you know what space there is to maneuver what vehicles they might bring and uh, you know if you've done that work beforehand then you're going to get a much better response from the emergency commanders uh, allowing you to do that so that's that's part of the, the whole pre-planning process and as you say you know people might be in competition with you but when the chips are down everyone will muck in and the rural community are, are really really good at that we just want to encourage people to be a bit more on the front foot and to have, um, put some more effort into planning and so that whatever the emergency as you say could be a flood could be a power outage could be a storm and whatever it might be, if you've made those connections, you've got the plan in place, then uh, then you've got a much better chance of succeeding. I just think of some of the yards, you know, I know one that's got 70 horses, seven zero horses, 70. Where on earth, if I don't know where I'm going to put my two, where on earth are they going to put 70 horses? So I actually think I'm going to be proactive and phone around all the yards, everyone that I know and say, look, let's just... Can we help each other in, a, in an emergency situation, even if it's just county by county? Because the other thing that's interesting is wherever you are, I think you know people within your area. So you might know people within 20 minutes down the road. Well, they might be struggling with the fire as well. So I think if you could have someone half an hour away, you know, where this fire was, I was half an hour away. So I could take a couple of horses. So I offered, you know, and said, if you need, you know where I am. You know, I'm here. Um, but have, have people, I guess, at a big enough distance that the fire's not going to get to them and they're going to end up evacuating them as well. So let's, let's look at our prerequisites, as I like to call them. Things that we absolutely must have in place before a fire. As I mentioned earlier, you need to do a risk assessment and uh, that sounds really boring, but actually it's just a bit of common sense. And uh, one of the first things you need to do is identify you know, what could cause a fire to start. And there are a few things that you need to be aware of and electrical uh, problems are one of the biggest causes of fires. And, uh, you know, wiring 
in an agricultural setting is uh, is really problematic unless it's been fully tested recently um, it's in nice clean conduit uh, we've got to think about um, old systems that um, really might not be fit for purpose and then people add to them as they grow the business if you've got your um, electrics tested recently you know, that's a really important thing to do um, and to have circuit breakers and uh, you know all the modern you know safety measures that you have that will then shut down the electrics if there is a problem such as vermin for instance oh really uh, vermin chewing through wires is a common cause of fire hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um, people overloading sockets because in the old days they only needed one socket but now we've got you know loads of different things plugged into this one socket mm -hmm. it might be one plug but that might go through an extension lead to a four-way adapters and so it's really important to understand how electrics work and uh, so that we don't overload uh, the systems that we have and if we do want to have more electrical devices that we uh, get a proper electrician in to make sure your system is secure it's really worthwhile doing that it will save you a lot of heartache in the long run um, what else can be a problem well uh, other sources of ignition do you have the farrier come to the yard you know and do they hot shoe and they have their own responsibilities for their fire safety um, but i would say that we need to have a nice clear area where the farrier is is asked to to shoe and that you've got some firefighting measures there immediately to hand just in case something goes wrong so that you can you can nip that in the bud uh, barbecues you know, they may be disposable barbecues, they may be purpose-made barbecues, but um, they've been the source of, of plenty of fires this summer. Mm. And uh, and we know of inadvertent uh, fires caused by careless disposal of uh, ashes from, from barbecues as well. So you've got to think about all the things that happen on the yard, all the activities, whether they're social or business, um, whether there are other people coming on the yard, what are the kind of things that may cause uh, a fire to start? 
And you mentioned smoking uh, at the beginning, Amy, and I think that's been a, a significant step change in reducing the chance of, uh, of fire is having very, very robust smoking policies. No smoking on the yard, I would say, uh, should be mandatory uh, advice for everybody. And, um, you know, that's that really is important at this time of year, as you say, with the conditions that we're in at the moment, because <clears throat> a smouldering cigarette, will cause a, a grass fire which could very quickly spread uh, to your property uh, and affect uh, the stables. So the the other element that made me look at our field and I'm guessing future livery yards is the escape route so and the access point. So I noticed that we only have one access point we can we can actually use. They're, they're I'm kind of thinking I might have found a little bit of a loophole when it comes to planning now so I'm a little bit excited Jim but ultimately I'd like another access route so I need to phone the council and say come on down have a look I would like another gate here and then they need to give me permission without that permission of that gate and without that other access route if there's a fire we're in trouble we can't get the horses out so do the council have an element of, of risk they need to be risk adverse when they're considering their applications you know is that a, is that a real valid point because in my head it is well in any sort of development um that the council will be reviewing then they will ask for advice from the fire rescue service and uh, so yes this is a, a very valid point that if you've identified in your risk assessment that uh, you've got limited egress in the when a fire starts, uh, then I think it's perfectly acceptable to ask the question and to make proposals. So, yes, if you've only got one way in and one way out, that really does limit you in the case of a fire. Uh, as we said earlier, the prevailing wind will have a bearing and where the fire starts is going to potentially be um, a variable that will cause your plan to change. So you need to really cover all bases. But um, Essentially, what we want to do is make sure that the horses can be calmly led to a place of safety where they're secured and they cannot run loose. And so we need to make sure we've got head collars uh, close by where they can be um, fitted quickly. And we need to make sure that everybody on the yard understands what the plan is. And that's really important, actually, to think about who's there because um, businesses, you, know, you need to think about human safety first. And there may be people that um, would not be suitable for helping in the event of evacuation. So I'm thinking mainly of younger people mm. and uh, yards often have young people helping out. And so we need to factor them into the uh, risk assessment and we need to think about what we're going to do with those young people, how we're going to make them safe before we start looking at evacuating horses. Uh, that's really, really essential. It may be that there are some jobs that, that can be given to them uh, which are not going to place them in danger, not going to place them at risk. One of them might be going to the end of the lane and uh, and guiding the fire appliances in if it's in a remote rural location where signage is poor. Uh, that would be really helpful. Anything that we can do to speed up the response of the fire engines is going to be uh, going to be of use. Well, on that note, really interesting because Vicky, who who struggled with the forty acre fire, said she didn't know the longitude and latitude of where the yard was. And actually, had she known that, then the fire engine could have got there much quicker. And I think most of us, a lot of us, don't have postcodes for where our yards are. It's just a field in the middle of nowhere. And to have that what is it an ordnance survey location or would help yeah well, you can uh, work on grid references um 
different emergency services use different ways of, uh, of you know, finding their locations. And uh, so it's worth finding out what your fire and rescue service uses and then give them that info, have that information to hand. We have a, an emergency action plan template that we can share with people and we could do that through Horse Hour and um, people can fill that out and uh, they can put in specific details. Now, there may be landmarks that are actually better uh, and of more use for, for emergency services. And this wouldn't just be for, for fire. This could be uh, police or ambulance in the case of uh, alternative emergencies. So landmarks are good. Um, reference points are really important. And it may be that so if um, it's Manor Farm, for instance, uh, the fire crews will go to the entrance to Manor Farm. But actually where your yard is, maybe off a different road. Well, where we are, there's four Manor Farms and one of them isn't a farm <laughs> at all. So actually, no, I get that. Thank you for the offer of the template. I think that's a brilliant idea. If We'll pop the link on on. Um, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and you just have to pop in your email address and we'll we'll send that out to everybody tomorrow. So it gives you a chance to actually put in your email address. And it's interesting, you know, when you talk about ambulance and and police as well, you know, I, I guess straight away we only te- we tend to put things or accidents or issues in little boxes. Um, and quite often the police do need to attend for something that, that that's that serious. A question I was going to ask you as well. When it comes to emergencies quite often especially this time of year we've had so many babies being born so many foals um are are there specific things that we need to consider when it comes to dealing with foals and young stock you know in an emergency well uh they obviously are going to uh, potentially cause uh, different issues. We're quite um, aware of the maternal instincts of uh, animals and particularly um, horses and livestock uh, when we go to fires. And, um, you know, if we're trying to evacuate uh, youngsters, that may cause a reaction in the in the mother. So we need to be acutely aware of that. And that's one of the reasons why firefighters have training in um, in animal behavior and psychology so that they can really identify where the problems may occur and we can work with you uh, to support you to deal with that. Now, it may be actually if you take a foal out, the mum will follow um, and there are some horses that, that won't come out of a stable that's potentially uh, impacted by fire because they see that as their safe place. Uh, so actually having a, a foal there might actually be of use as something that will actually cause the, the mum to come out. But then you need to make sure that they're secured somewhere safe. The last thing we want are um, animals that are loose that will potentially run down the road and come into conflict with uh, responding emergency vehicles. Um, we don't want horses to go back into the stable during the operation. So um, the further away they are, the more secure they are, the better it is for our crews to be able to come in and uh, and sort the initial problem, which was the fire. So I'm guessing you don't let all the horses out of the boxes and let them run free until the tactical advisor has said, we can't do anything, go and let them out. Because we see videos, horror, horror videos from the California fires last year. There was a polo yard and it was heartbreaking. All the stables were in flames. And they just had to open the boxes and let the horses go. We don't have as much space over here as, as in California. And, you know, they'll run straight onto the roads and that's it. They're, they're gone. Yeah, that's a really important point. And again, you know why pre-planning is so important to us because um, there are some situations when the, fo- the initial fire crews turn up and there is absolute pandemonium going on. Um, if you uh, in, in most agricultural settings, they don't have early warnings. 
And one of the, the key things that's helped us in, in most you know, modern firefighting terms uh, to save people is, is the addition of smoke alarms in people's homes. Smoke alarms wake people up. Smoke alarms cause people to uh, evacuate. And, uh, and if they've been trained and they have a fire plan, <clears throat> they're going to shut the doors behind them. They're going to restrict the fire. Uh, and so when we arrive, you know, the, the situation is far less devastating than it, it was in, historically when we didn't have early detection, when we didn't have escape plans. And we were probably rescuing a lot more people in those days than we are now. So <clears throat> it's important that we consider this. And one of the things Barter's doing is we're working with a, a guy called Brad Wilson and Triangle Fire Safety to develop a uh, an equine or agricultural specific uh, means to detect fire and to suppress fire. Because, wow. you know, the, the fire will develop so quickly that if you don't know it's happened, you know, within one minute 20 we, have, we we mocked up a stable fire and within one minute 20 uh, the horse would not be viable you know and that is no time at all uh, when a fire starts in that stable block so uh, the reality is that um, if we're going to have a fire it's potentially going to be very very devastating now the suppression system that um, brad's been working on is really clever first of all it doesn't use traditional smoke detectors which can be affected by insects and dust mm. which of course there are you know, many of in uh, in these in those situations uh, actually tests the air uh, it sucks it through a pipe and it actually draws it through a laser detector uh, and through a particulate filter which takes out all of the the dust and uh, things that we don't want to um, have false detections so once the system identifies that there's uh, a potential fire it will text a number of people i think it's up to five people that you can put into the system um and then once it realizes there is a fire and it goes into a full alert it will ring people and it will just keep ringing people uh, until someone picks up and, uh, and comes and does something about it so that's one part of the system and yes that's a great way of alerting you to a problem but you may still not be on the yard you may not be able to deal with something uh, very quickly so the second part of the system is actually a suppression element which is sprinklers effectively mm. and uh, we recognize that uh, water supplies may be uh, severely affected in rural areas so the system for a small maybe a three box configuration works off what's similar to a massive fire extinguisher a pressurized vessel and in that vessel there is water and also an additive and this fire retardant additive is a bit like the um, you know the air tankers that you see dropping the red dye on uh, mm. on the Californian fires, yeah. you know that it, it's that kind of thing. Um, but this is a, a, an additive that is very very safe. It's all natural products, and um, and what it does is it it comes through the mist that, that the sprinkler uh, uses to uh, to um, evacuate the water, and uh, it coats everything with this fire retardant material. And if your your horse is still in the stable when the sprinkler activates it will coat your horse with this fire retardant material as well, which will be even more beneficial in the event of a fire. Well, that, that's incredible. Is that available now? Very shortly. And it's all been tested and it's got British standards um, with it as well now. And um, we're in the throes of um, 
of negotiating to put it into the stables at the Horse Trust in Buckinghamshire. And we work very closely with the Horse Trust and uh, and they're very keen to um, allow us to put a system in there so that we can actually see how it, how it works and people can go and view it. And uh, we, we want this to be a really cost-effective solution. And I suppose the next thing to do is to start talking to some of the insurers and to see whether you know we can negotiate if people have this detection and suppression system in place um, whether we can get a reduction on their premiums oh brilliant idea start with nfu mutual um, <laughs> because they're amazing i really like them um so well i'll test it for you you're welcome to pop it into my stables because okay the issue that with with my stables is there's no electricity there so is it runoff electricity yeah that is one of the issues is that um yeah we'll need uh, electricity to run the uh the pump and uh it's just a very simple mechanism um and the detection system uh, the, the laser detector will require um, electricity as well so yeah it won't be um, suitable for everybody but um, those that have you know if you don't have electricity at your yard then you're already you know reducing the chance of a fire starting anyway so um, I would say that um, you know we need to try and find a system that's bespoke to to the individual and uh, it's going to meet their individual needs whether they're a big yard very complex structure or whether a very very simple uh, yard like yourselves uh, sound to be so we there are other oh, yeah, solutions we're very simple we're, we're a bit of grass and a, and a couple of you know a couple of wooden stables but you you have made me think again jim that you know even for that very small low-key you know livery place or just you know home home for horses i like to call it you know all the water mains are underground there's no tap because there's no need for a tap so actually we have no water to be able to put out a fire and i have so two things again you've made me think about is one i need a water main outside which has always free flowing you know easy turn it on almost like our own little hose pipe jet engine from a fire engine as it were because the natural water from the mains is really powerful Mm. and so that's quite good and the second one is the sprinkler system is there an element of risk to that that the horses without learning that sprinkling is okay could could hurt themselves even more you know how do we can we get our horses used to that system maybe well, we could do, um, but we've we've trialled it um, with horses in situ, and because uh, well, there's the, the traditional sprinkler has a bulb inside it which has to reach a certain temperature, and then as it detects the temperature has risen to a certain rate, the bulb will break, and that will then allow the system to activate, and that bulb breaking and the system actuating went with quite a bang, and so this system. Um, doesn't have the bulb it's an open head it's a dry system so when the um, detection uh, thinks that there's a fire and activates the sprinkler it then the water has to come along the pipes and then it quietly comes out and because it's a mist rather than uh, quite a large volume of water then uh, it's actually much more acceptable and we've done it with horses and uh, we've got a little video actually um, which oh, supports it to see that best uh, thing we can have is uh, you know a little bit of um, anxiety rather than uh, a horse that's um, trapped in a, in a fire so um, no I think um, I think we're on a winner with this I think um, it's moving in the right directions and um, and we hope to be able to start protecting people in the near future 
Jim, I think it's an amazing idea, and I totally agree with you. A little bit of anxiety is nothing. I don't even mind having a horse with, with a bit of a bump on his head, as long as he's not covered in fire and he's safe. That's the main thing. Well, thank you. Well, always, Jim, you know, I'm so grateful for what you do and all your work in, in our industry, working with all the fire brigades, um, helping them rescue our horses and our animals from all sorts of situations, not just fires. And then thank you for giving us, you know, some advice today. Now, if you want to find out more about Jim's work, and barter then do head over to his website which is jim www.barter b-a-r-t-a-c-i-c.org perfect and you're on facebook and twitter too yes yeah visit our facebook page uh, british animal rescue and trauma care association could you pop that video on your facebook page and then we can go on and have a look at, at how the sprinkler system works and i'm sure if anybody you know is interested in in taking that in their yard which personally i think it again should be part of building regulations now isn't it it's part of building regulations for homes then it should hopefully become part of building regulations for stables as well jim it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much speak to you again soon Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, you can catch up with previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk. And of course, you can listen on iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, Player FM. We are everywhere. You can even listen to us on Alexa now. So it's really easy to get involved with the Horse Hour podcast. And of course, join us on Twitter. Just search at Horse Hour or hashtag Horse Hour. And it's on every platform. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube, you know name it we're there as always i love to see what you're up to with your horses did you head over to hickstead last week hope you had a nice time if you did and what are you up to this weekend i'm glad that the rain has come finally we have a little bit of green grass rather than that burnt out hay so hopefully the horses will be a bit happier this week and we can do a little bit more in the cooler weather i hope you have a really good week with your horse and i'll speak to you soon Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.